Welcome to the podcast of Follow Baptist Church. Our vision and mission is to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. We hope and pray that you are blessed, challenged and inspired by this message. For more information on Follow Church, you can visit our website at www.followchurch.com.au. We have two Bible readings this morning. The first is John chapter 8, verses 2 to 11. At dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts, where all the, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and began to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard it began to go away, one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she replied. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. And our second reading is Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Thank you, Nathan. Let's give it to Thank you, Nathan. Nathan turned 18 on Tuesday. Yes, I'm still coming to deal with terms with the fact that I've now got two adult children, but that's another story. So on Tuesday, Nathan's birthday, we went into the city. Uh, We went to a a flight simulator, Nathan and I and his grandpa. So we went and flew to Sydney and Hong Kong and had a fantastic time. Nathan Nathan was flying, and uh, it was truly great. While I was in there, my phone rang a couple of times, but I was pretty preoccupied with Nathan, so I just left the phone. And on the way home, the phone rang again, same number, so I answered it. It was Ray Gunton, one of our elders from church here, who was scheduled to preach this morning. And he said, Dave, I'm really sorry. I've got my work schedule and I, I can't be there on Sunday. And I understand Ray has a very important job. Uh, he can't just uh, pick and choose when he works. So he said, Dave, can you please help me out? Can you preach on Sunday? So here we are. <laughs> um, as you know, if you've been here the last few weeks, we've been doing a, a series through, called The Fruits of Summer, talking about the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And today, we're talking about gentleness. We've actually covered all the rest of the fruit. Uh, We did some last January. We've worked our way through. And this is the last week of the series on gentleness. And I have to give Ray credit. Ray had obviously been preparing this message on gentleness. And he was very gentle when he asked me to preach at short notice. So he practiced what he was going to preach, which is actually more important than what you say sometimes. So well done to Ray. So gentleness is obviously not the last one on the list of the fruits of the Spirit. We haven't done them in order because I don't think they're in any hierarchical or you know, importance of order. It's simply 
When the Holy Spirit is in your life, this is the fruit, singular, that will be produced. All of these things. It's not one fruit, one Holy Spirit for love and another Holy Spirit for patience. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is all of these things. So we've just done them one at a time and today we're talking about gentleness. One Bible dictionary defines gentleness as sensitivity of disposition and kindness of behaviour, founded on strength and prompted by love. And that's, that last bit is what I want to really focus on today, founded on strength and prompted by love. The King James Bible uses the word meekness, but meekness is not a word we use in common language nowadays, so a lot of modern translations use the word gentleness. But it's important to note that meekness is not weakness. They might sound the same, but they don't mean the same. See, godly gentleness is not being a wuss. It's not being a doormat for everyone to walk all over you. See, biblical gentleness is founded on strength and prompted by love. Godly gentleness includes conviction and courage, but also grace and humility and compassion. Godly gentleness obviously does not involve bullying, abusing, yelling, demanding your own way. It's not angry. It's not aggressive. It does include strength, but strength that is contained or controlled. It involves strength, but strength with integrity so that the strength is used for good. And strength with humility so that the strength is used for the benefit of the other person as well. Let's think about a few examples to illustrate. An elephant. An elephant is an incredibly big and strong animal. An elephant's trunk, just the trunk, contains 40,000 different muscles. I mean, 40,000 muscles. That's, I mean, I can't even comprehend. That's, that's more than Craig Murphy. That is, that is a lot of muscle. And yet, an, an elephant's trunk, just its trunk, it can lift up logs, it can rip trees out of the ground. They are incredibly strong and powerful animals. But they can also be incredibly gentle. An elephant can pick up a single blade of grass with its trunk. When they've been trained, they can lift a small child and delicately place it on their own back. Unbelievably strong and powerful, but also incredibly gentle. In the Bible, there's a story about a prophet called Elijah in the Old Testament. First Kings chapter 18 and 19, I'm going to mention this morning. Elijah was a man of God, he was a prophet, and if you're if you've never read the story about Elijah and the 450 prophets of Baal, then do yourself a favour. Go home this afternoon, open your Bible and read 1 Kings chapter 18 because Baal was this false idol god that people were worshipping and Elijah, one man of God, outnumbered 450 to 1 and God just demonstrates his power in a fantastic way. It's an inspiring story. But the very next chapter, chapter 19, Elijah is discouraged. I guess nowadays we might say he was depressed or burned out or he's had enough. He's actually hiding in a cave just to get away from people. He's just, he's really struggling. And it's beautiful to see the way that God encounters Elijah and deals with him. God comes and speaks to him and he says, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah makes all his excuses about how tough life is. And Elijah wants, wants to hear from God and I guess see God's power. And so God God sends this really strong wind, this incredibly forceful wind, but God does not appear to Elijah in the wind. And then God sends this earthquake, which again is an incredibly powerful event, 
but God does not appear to Elijah in the earthquake. And then God sends a fire, again a very powerful phenomenon, but God does not appear to Elijah in the fire. And then there's a still, small voice, a gentle whisper, and God communicates with Elijah through this gentle whisper, just lovingly nurturing him, comforting him, building him up. So God's attitude with Elijah was founded by strength and prompted by love. There's another story in 2 Samuel chapter 18 about King David. Now David had become the king of Israel. He'd been anointed when he was a child by the prophet. He knew he was going to become king. His military exploits said he was well and truly deserved to be the king. He was a, he was a great, great warrior. He was loved by the people, known as a man after God's own heart. David knew in his, for sure he was... Meant he was the rightful king of Israel. But one of his sons, a young man named Absalom, had rebelled and he was trying to usurp the throne from his father David and there's basically a bit of a civil war going on. And as David, his, his army, his commanding officers are going out, David says to his commanding officers, deal gently with my son Absalom. So David came from a position of strength. He knew full well he was the rightful king and he could have just said, look, let's just end this, get, get it over with, just get rid of him. But no, David with a, a father's heart founded by love, he said, deal gently with my son Absalom. Founded by strength and prompted by love. Unfortunately, his commanding officers didn't listen too well because one of them did put Absalom to death. But anyway, David's attitude as a father was great. Then we come to the passage that Nathan read to us this morning. About Jesus and the woman caught in the act of adultery. Caught in the act. Can you imagine how embarrassing, how humiliating? And then dragged in front of a whole bunch of people who were pointing at her and accusing her. The obvious question we all ask is, where was the bloke? Because, you know, it takes two. <laughs> but nevertheless, in this case, it was only the woman who was, who was dragged out. And it's just great to watch Jesus' attitude with her. He does not condemn, but neither does he condone. Jesus says, go and leave your life of sin. Or another version says, go and sin no more. In other words, Jesus is gentle and he's compassionate, but he also stands on his convictions. Don't do it again. He demonstrates the character of God in this story. See, God is like that with all of us. God is a holy and righteous and just God and he has his laws and he has his principles that, that do not change. And yet he's always willing to give us another chance. He knows that every single one of us has broken those rules and wandered away and, and turned our back on God at times. But the Bible says God is slow to anger. He is just, he is compassionate. Eventually, of course, as you read the Bible, God, when people continually rebel, eventually justice does come. But God is always willing to forgive and always willing to give a second chance. And Jesus just demonstrates the character of God in that story founded by strength and prompted by love. See, gentleness might be misinterpreted as passive acceptance, just a tolerance, just a willingness to, uh, you know, whatever, tolerating, ignoring, justifying, making excuses for our own sin or for the sin of other people around us. But biblical, godly gentleness means speaking the truth in love. Galatians chapter 6 tells us, if another believer is overcome by some sin... You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back on to the right path. That's biblical gentleness. Obviously, confronting someone like that would require strength, would require some courage. 
but it's also would be prompted by love because ultimately you're doing that person a favour by you know, steering them back onto the right course. Just as Luke talked about kindness the other day, you know, kindness is not just letting someone walk off the cliff because, oh, well, that's what they want to do. No, kindness, biblical kindness would be to intervene in love and it's exactly the same with gentleness. So what does all of this mean for us? How does this apply to our lives? How do we practice biblical, godly gentleness in our day-to-day life? It's important that we do it. The Bible tells us over and over. Ephesians 4, be humble and gentle. Colossians 3, clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. We need to understand that each one of us is powerful, significant, important. We all have the power to influence other people. We can all say words that will influence other people. Our actions, our lives have the power to influence other people, to either help or to hurt. And we can all choose what influences will will affect our lives and our words. And godly gentleness will constrain and control and channel that power to use it for good. Let's imagine a typical situation, okay? You're in a a cafe or a restaurant or a takeaway food place. Uh, You've ordered a meal and they bring you the wrong meal. How do we respond, okay? An aggressive response would be to yell and demand and abuse and threaten and insist on getting your right meal right now and hurry up about it and making a scene. Probably you might have witnessed that kind of outburst and it doesn't really do any good, does it? Maybe the person making the outburst, maybe they actually get their right meal, but it sure doesn't do any good for anyone else in the room, does it? The person who made the mistake feels humiliated. Everyone else is awkward and treading on eggshells, and it's definitely not a good response. At the opposite end of the extreme would be the passive response, where you just suck it up and think, ah, well, these things happen. I'll just eat the the cheese. My family would get that joke. Um, I'll eat whatever I didn't order. And that might seem nice. But in actual fact, that's not a great response either because you don't get what you ordered and what you paid for and the person who made the mistake doesn't learn to be careful. You're just setting them up for the next time they do it and it's an aggressive person in World War III breaks out and they get yelled at and abused. And So the passive response is not actually the best response either. An assertive response, not aggressive, but assertive response would be to politely, calmly, respectfully explain the problem Sort out the problem, get it fixed. You get the meal, the other person feels respected, everybody wins. And that's what biblical gentleness would be more like. That response, obviously, to be assertive, would require some self-confidence. So it is founded in strength, but it's also prompted by love because you're caring about the feelings of the other person, regardless of whether it was an innocent mistake or whether it was just you know, incompetence, but you're, you're treating that person with respect. So true strength is shown by the person who can stay calm and think first and then respond and respond in a way that is also better for the other person. Proverbs chapter 15 tells us that a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I'm sure you've all seen illustrations of that in your own lives and nobody wants to provoke anger and see, it, see the, an outburst. So a soft answer turns away wrath. And when you think about God, God is, God is all-powerful. God is omnipotent. And yet God never misuses or abuses that power. He's the perfect father. He never overreacts. 
He's gentle with his children. Even when all of us, even when we misbehave, even when we walk, wander astray, even when we do the wrong thing, even when we turn our back on God, God continues to be gentle with us. And he always does what is best for us in the long run. So when we are filled with the Holy Spirit's fruit of gentleness, we will correct others when necessary, but we will do it with humility and grace and respect instead of in resentment and in anger and, and shouting. And also when we are filled with the Holy Spirit's fruit of gentleness, we will forgive easily because ultimately whatever offence other people have committed to us probably pales in comparison toward what we have committed against God. And God is always willing to forgive. And so if we are filled with God's Holy Spirit and God's fruit of gentleness, we also will be willing to forgive easily. Ultimately, the salvation and the well-being of the other person is more important than our, our own pride. And often it's only, that's all that I've upset is our pride. So it's more important to be gracious and calm and assertive, but not aggressive. Again, the Bible explains this for us. Second Timothy chapter 2 says, Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change these people's hearts and they will learn the truth. And isn't that what we're, what we're here to do, is to, to preach the truth and to bring others to God? Also, First Peter says, You must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. See, we can all, every single one of us, we can have great confidence in God's strength. God is all-powerful, almighty. God is all, all, all strength. But we are also called to love each other. Jesus said the greatest commandment, love God and love other people. In fact, the Bible also says that people will recognise that we are followers of Jesus because of the love we have for each other. Amen. Thank you, Wayne. So when our confidence is in God and we are willing to follow his commands, we can all demonstrate an attitude of biblical and godly gentleness that is grounded in strength and prompted by love. So, to conclude this whole series on the fruits of the Spirit, let's just sum up the key points again. Jesus is God in human form, God with us. The Holy Spirit is God's Spirit that can indwell all of us simultaneously. So Jesus and the Holy Spirit, both parts of God, both parts of the Trinity, and we should aim to be more like Jesus. That should be the intention of our lives. We're a follower of Jesus. And therefore, we should allow the Holy Spirit of God into our lives to change us, to mould us, to renew us, to transform us from within. And if we want to continually bear good spiritual fruit, we need to stay connected to Jesus. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And you all know that if you take a branch off the vine, the branch withers and dies. The vine is fine, but the branch will die. So think of yourself as like a branch and you need to stay connected to Jesus in order to produce good, godly, holy fruit in your life. And our lives will always produce fruit, whether we like it or not. Whether it might be good or it might be bad. But when we allow the Holy Spirit to shape us, to lead us and to guide us, then the fruit we will produce will be the fruit of the Holy Spirit in us. Our lives will produce love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control.
And as that passage says, there was no law against any of those things. They were also all good and wholesome and desirable and positive qualities that, that we would all want in our lives. Now, one final word of warning. Living with an attitude of godly, biblical gentleness is not always going to be easy in this, this world. Increasingly, we live in a culture that is often lewd and selfish and unforgiving and demanding and focused on me, me, me. As we see on the news right now, people in America rioting because their party lost an election. I mean, glow up. Next thing, Hawthorne are going to burn down the MCG because we didn't win the grand final. <laughs> Seriously, it's, it's not a godly response, is it? No. And God is calling us as his people to be the light of the world, to set the example to everyone else. And it's a tall order, but God is always with us. God is always ready and willing and available to help us to do that. So I encourage you all to pray earnestly for God's help. Ask God to send his Holy Spirit into your life, to transform you, to renew you, to make you more like Jesus. Make a habit of reading God's word so that you will know who God is and what he wants from us. And understand better. And let God's Holy Spirit transform your thinking and your way of life and therefore the fruit of your life. God bless you all. Let's all pray. Father God, fill us again today with your Holy Spirit. Let our lives reflect you, that people may see you living in us. Help us to be the light of the world, to be your representatives, your witnesses in a dark and fallen world. Let our lives produce fruit that brings glory to you. Amen.